Hey, what's up, guys? We are back. It's Lizzie Jane. We have Lucid joining me on the podcast this week. I am so ecstatic. We finally had the chance to make this happen. And I'm actually in this place where I feel like it all worked out how it was supposed to because us having as much time as we wanted served for one of my favorite conversations I think I've ever had on the podcast, which is saying a lot Everything from production to industry talk to nature and climbing and dreaming and everything else in between. I really just want to hop right into it. Don't forget, if you love this podcast, if you learn anything from this podcast, please share with your friends, comment on the YouTube videos, like, subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Spotify podcast for the Lizzie Jane podcast. It all means more than you know, and it helps us substantially grow, grow, grow over time, which will lead to bigger guests, bigger platforms, and longer episodes. So without further ado, you are tuning into my podcast with special guest Lucid. Hey guys, so lately I've seen a ton of larger shows I've been playing at that a lot of these festivals and venues are no longer allowing bags that are not clear. Well, guess what? Lunchbox Packs is coming in clutch again. They have just stepped up their anti-theft bags by releasing a fully clear hydration pack and snack pack. This is an absolute game changer for your summer festivals and events. Each bag is made out of TPU material that is incredibly durable, flexible, and made to not alter under extreme sun exposure over time. You also have the option to bring a skin in your bag on the way in, and once you're through that security line, you can zip on your skin for privacy of your belongings and to add some extra personalized fun flair. These hydration packs meet the majority of all festival regulations and guidelines. As always, these packs have all of the awesome anti-theft features as the original hydration and snack packs. Make sure you use code Lizzie Jane for $10 off any hydration pack and code Lizzie J for $5 off any snack pack. I will see you at the rave. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. Nate, thank you so much for coming on yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're back in Denver. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad I to be here. Like Thanks for having me on. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while and just like flight delays and all the other madness that comes with this. Is we kinda... were just talking about the traveling. Yeah. The whole traveling situation. I think everybody who travels, whether they're a DJ or a business professional, is dealing with wild traveling times yep it, it costs twice as much and is half as enjoyable so yeah hey, wait, great like, times to travel right now the other day like i have a flight to phoenix in october and i got like a text and you know i sometimes if it's real expensive i'll do those third parties where i'm just like hey like i have to like walk away with not going negative on a show and if i have to fly frontier with a backpack to do it like i fucking oh will. definitely like definitely. i will all day long and i get this text and they're like You've been like moved to a later flight, like like please go on and select the flight if it doesn't work for you. 
And then my flight that I booked my original ticket on was available, but they wanted me to pay like $200, $300 more to be moved back to that flight. I was like, oh, hell no. This is I, our, yeah, this is our direct flight. Yeah, yeah. Is there an airline out there that you've had a nightmare with? And is there an airline out there that you would say you would fly over everything else? I will pay an obscene amount of money not to fly American Airlines. Okay. If I, I, I literally on tour, we had one day where we had to fly American. Um, and I flew in a day early. It was actually a show out in Florida. Okay. And I was like, I was like, I'm actually going there a day early just because I know, you know how unreliable. Yeah. Like I'm gonna miss the show if not. Yep. And of course it was delayed and delayed. I got in at like one AM. I was like, had this been the night of the show, I would have missed it. Oh my god. So yeah, for festivals I always fly in the day before and for anything I have to fly American, I fly the day before too, just because it's absolutely crazy it's like 80 percent. i don't know if it's just out of my airport or whatever but it's it's been rough and where do you live uh, oklahoma city okay okay yeah. sweet have you been there for like quite a while not really it's this october will be three years is it uh we got a bunch of oklahomans yeah, there so yes, yeah a lot of like, like um Tynan? So, yeah, Tynan is there. I actually yeah, just like... saw him at the airport on the way here. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. So Tynan's there. Martin Liquid Stranger is there. Oh, okay. Champagne Drip is there. No way. Um, Viscous is also there. Cool. Um, so we've got a nice little group. What do you like, like about Oklahoma City? I haven't. I love um, the musical, but but I I've never had the pleasure of going there. It's a lot of really good food that's not like, it's more like mom and pop. Kind of reminds me of, I know people complain about the Denver food, but. No, they don't know where to go. I, they don't know where to you go. You can't go to the chains. You can't go to the chains anywhere, you go but you got to go to like the, and you know, you private. how to use Google. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know? Do a little digging. So yeah. that's why I like, there's a, a lot of new like infrastructure and, and stuff to do being put in place in Oklahoma City. It's like very rapidly growing, especially Jeez. since like covid a lot of people moved away from the coast because it's so expensive to live that may be the best thing about oklahoma city is so cheap to live there i mean everywhere is expensive now but comparatively like a lot of my friends pay like double on their rent or mortgage that we do in oklahoma city so that's really a benefit right now there are people who live here who live in like 800 square foot studios or maybe even like a 400 square foot studio 2000 see that's like wild that's like, uh, like almost double our mortgage, and that's like almost the size of like just my dedicated studio yeah. in our house. So yeah. it's just like, yeah. Once we started look, because we were originally looking around here, and we started looking at prices, and I was like, we aren't going to be able to buy. And if we do, what we buy is going to be like, we're not going to like it. No, so, no. If uh, I didn't have my boyfriend, who like you know, we like split everything. It, it's easier to split. I will say, like, it, it's lovely too, to split because if I didn't have a split, I think it would be a much different conversation living out here. Um, but yeah, the the whole corporate reality job that definitely came in clutch when like moving out here and 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 just it's it's wild. And I think a lot of times, especially now more than ever. You know, you've always had this like stigma. I mean, you walk around in Denver and it's like you could like throw like a cap and it'll land on like a dubstep DJ. Yeah, you know? yeah, very true. And and I think Denver's becoming this like still like low key underground hub that's amazing for this like niche subgenre of music. 100%. But so many people like 
think of LA. They're like, I've got to be in LA to make it work, to make it happen, maybe to like get in front of people or network or da 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 da. All of that stuff that like ultimately doesn't improve like your craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just those living situations are so unrealistic for like a quote unquote like starving, growing artist. And you got to look at like, and it's very interesting. I talk to this about the students I work with a lot is waiting till you're getting some very heavy diminishing returns on like your growth and your production before you start looking into things like connections and brand. Because as soon as you start like getting these shows and making these connections and start like taking off, you're going to lose a lot of this time for production and learning and growth and development. And while you always should be seeking that stuff, it's different when that's all you're seeking, you know? So wait till you feel like, okay, it's really hard to learn stuff. I feel like, you know, my I've, I've like plateaued a little bit. I can start to like reach out. But I've, I see so many people, they take so much longer to learn and grow just because they're adding all these other factors. Like some people's first few songs they produce are like, oh, I need artwork and I need to hire an artist and I need to get t-shirts made. I'm like, take a deep breath, yo. Just, yeah, you don't even need to release this. You know, yeah. I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying you don't, there's no pressure here. So it's, um, yeah, it's having that balance is really big and knowing where to put your energy and when to, you know, put it's, that energy there. It's, and it's uh, hard because it's like everybody's journey is different. I think really- like we both, made mistakes, grown, learned, and, like, everybody will do that even if you have the best mentor in the world saying, A to Z, here's what you do, because it won't be verbatim what happens to you or what should happen to you or what you plan to happen to you and, like, the path of a career. But we've all seen, and, like, I've even had moments, too, where it's, like, you see people who have such potential that get just a little bit ahead of themselves, and then it just, like, it's like a lightning bolt and it just stunts your growth. Yep. And and it's and it's like I think it's just a combination of weight expectations and alternative like exterior factors, exactly what you said, that start to come into the picture where it's the same deal. All of my Patreon students love them to death. Everybody's on a different journey. Some people are like, I have full jobs that I'm super happy with and like music is a hobby and a passion mm-hmm. and something I love and Maybe one day that'll turn into something else. I'm like, great. Well, you have financial backing for it. So cheers to you. Yeah, yeah. And then other people who are like, I want to fucking do this. And it's like, you just have to be able to put your head down, put your blinders on. I mean, I still get in that position and say like, this is going to be a long, long journey. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You really got to love it too without like any end goal in mind I, I remember i forgot who the artist was but it was a tweet there's like you you're always going to say i'll be happy when and you have to be happy now yep. because that when is never going to come when you get there there's a new win you know what i mean so it's like enjoying the journey um kind of every step of it and it's even kind of what we were talking about a little bit before this is taking things back to a point where it's like you're not all of your actions are building towards this like and ultimatum that you're trying to bring your brand to this at yep. this level or whatever it's like i just want to do what is feels right by me yeah. you know and express and that's what I, I tell people too is this is a really cool way to express everything you are in an audible form all art is like you know the, the stuff behind us it's like this is these people's souls visually like you get to see a visual representation of that so when you express yourself based off of like 
something else that's not just like your creative expression, you're selling yourself short because you don't get to display that true soul of yourself, you know? You're using this adult who you're like, oh, well, rhythm's popular now. Maybe I'll do this. Or drum and bass is popular. Maybe I'll do this. It's like, I don't know. What what do you What comes out of you? You know what I mean? Because otherwise, it's just copying everything else that's going on. And, um, and usually when you like see those like quote unquote trends, which happen ever so often in BBM. Yeah, you know, always changing. Like, <laughs> always changing, whether it's tech house, future. I remember what the future rhythm was. The melodic rhythm was that thing. And yep. then like, you know, you had the people who had been doing it for five years before it was a thing are the only ones really doing it now mm-hmm. after it's been a thing. Yeah. It's just like, if you're trying to go trying to trend and learning and we do the YouTube university and you collab with somebody who's like craft is really honed in that subgenre. By the time you understand the ins and outs of it, everybody's onto something else. Definitely. And I feel like your supporters and like your fans like can tell. And like, I personally, I'm just like, I'd rather be like lost and like throwing stuff at the wall that I'm passionate about and seeing what sticks than trying to continuously chase and doing stuff that like really long term I don't see myself doing and doesn't make me happy. Definitely. I, I think the, the the big C says it doesn't make you happy because exploring new things, for example, I've like have this newfound love for like liquid D&B, uh, especially producing it's it. Coming. It's, it's coming. It's so coming. Did you see fun. Rampage? Is actually coming to United States for the first time ever. That's, that's awesome. That, where is it going to be? I have no idea. Okay. All it said, it they posted a teaser the other day, and it was just all the rampage logos. I have chills on the American flag, and they're coming. That I don't know awesome. who they're going to partner with or do their own thing. They probably are going to come to a major city, but if they come over here, I I feel like that is some sort of a symbolism as like we've built this up enough that now they're going to bring their dawns. Yeah, oh, that's going to be this wild fucking ride. That's awesome. That's super exciting to hear. And and, and yeah, I think if you, obviously it's bringing a lot of interest to artists who haven't taken interest in these genres before. And I think there's a big distinguish uh, like difference between people being genuinely interested in it or just kind of chasing it because they see it as a trend. And I see sometimes people getting hated on because they're moving over to it, even though they never have before. And I don't think it's a I don't think they should be hated on for that. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just like you you're showing something new that's cool and you like it and you wanted I don't know. It's not like you're chasing the clout or anything then some yeah. some that does happen. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's cool to just see so many people willing to just explore. And again, it's about like having fun and about having that expression. And if you found a new way to express yourself, that's super cool. It's, so It's super yeah. cool. And it makes it like for the artist exciting, like for the creator, like in you, like there's very few artists that I've had the pleasure of speaking with that I have the pleasure of calling friends that are like, I love making dubstep and I want to make it until the day I die and there's nothing else I want to do. Yep. It's hard. Yeah. Like it's and and I think like I was just listening to like this road trip classic rock playlist on Spotify. You know, you had like Stevie Nicks and you had like you know, you had like uh uh of course I can't remember anything now. You had like some Aerosmith, mm. you had like Tears for Fears, yeah. You had all those guys. And when you listen to just like the variety of their discography, so many of them reinvented themselves themselves yep. so many times. And I think we're coming up on a time in electronic dance music where people are way more receptive than they've 
been. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I would love to know your take on that because we all kind of know, you know, when you're an artist, especially in electronic dance music, you kind of are looked upon to be part of like a family. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah, know, like it's like, are you like sitting at the Wakan lunch table or are you on the Disciple and Never Say Die lunch table Definitely. or with like Seven Lions and the Ophelia crew? Mm-hmm. And while I feel like that gives you like such a sense of like community and I feel like Wakan is always like you guys are really a family and like that's so amazing. I don't always think that genuinely happens as much anymore. Yeah. It also sometimes is like, okay, but that's okay if this is just like a chapter of my journey. Yeah, it doesn't have definitely. To be the end all be all. Oh, hundred percent. It was I mean, there's several circles or like families I I became a part of through the the journey, like up to leading to a con. And I feel like even now furthering, I'm finding myself building more families, you know. Um, So, yeah, I feel it's very much just like life. You know what I mean? You have friends, you get close and then you distance and you may not talk for four or five years, but you always have that like love for one another, you know. Um, And I feel like that's really important to have that support because this is not easy for anyone it's 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 a big risk like any artist anyone who like chases their dream knows that it's it's scary because especially once you start to achieve it the fact that you know that you can lose it it almost becomes scarier because now you're like i've seen the light this is this is i've been living the dream you're like oh but what do i have to maintain for this to continue to be the dream and then yeah that that's something we touched on earlier too is just like you start to make sacrifices creatively or like project wise that you other might not have made starting out because you didn't have anything. And you're just like, Oh, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm, I'm just, you know, going for uh, the gold. And then once you have it, you're like, Oh, I've got everything to lose now. Yeah. So, you know, that's- it's always that balance. It's that happy medium of, I mean, I, I will never forget. And I'm sure like you're the same way. Like when you started to learn how to produce and started to learn how to like, go through the ins and outs and everything it's like you were we were all bad as could be but it was uh, like yep. let's just go for it like mm-hmm. let's just see what works like let's lights there was no overthinking there yep. was no like oh like maybe this this doesn't fit with like these collection of tracks or maybe this label that I've kind of been working with like maybe they aren't gonna like it or, or there's another artist that already sounds like that and they're not gonna take it because this music now sounds like that yep and and it's all of these things that shouldn't hinder an individual, but because there's things to lose. And I've been obviously with the the NFL starting, I've been super into, you know, watching hard knocks, quarterbacks, all these sports things. And, you know, when you're watching like any sports game, momentum's everything. Oh yeah. And that's the same way for like an artist. Mm-hmm. Like when you start to get that momentum, you know, it's one thing if you start to get it and you're like, fuck, like I'm really unhappy and this is not going to end well and we need to pivot and we need, I need to do stuff that makes me happy. Definitely. And then you get that momentum and you're like, it's time to rock and roll. Let's go. Like we got to have everything planned. We have this ready for releases. We have this tour coming up and you have this whole team of people, almost like sports team, yep. working behind you to keep that momentum going. And any little like, pivot or choice that you make that may be like a risk quote unquote could amount in you losing some of that momentum but like 
at what like artistic sacrifice like you have to weigh like the pros well, and just cons. like the players you, you what happens when you push them too hard for too long they get injured and then what's your career after you blow an acl or something it's just like it's like all right well, and, yeah and you see that happen a lot with edm artists too it's just like it's it's crazy. Just some of the names where it, I've just seen them like skyrocket to the top and then like Crash disappear them. within two years. And it's just like, oh, it's so sad too because it's, I don't know, even like some of the like industry plant talk. If you look at it from their perspective, it's think about like, I think about it when I was, you know, just getting into it. If someone approached me with these opportunities, I'm not going to say, you know, I don't really think I deserve this yet. I'm, of course not. No, you're going to be like, oh, I'm. I'm going to fucking go. work with it, even if I'm afraid. And cause I've been in that situation so many. My first back-to-back with Liquid Stranger, I was absolutely shitting my pants. I did not think I was ready. I was terrible, but I just did it. I was like, I'm going to work nonstop and do everything I can to make sure I don't fuck this up. But I do not think that I'm, you know, but you just, you just but then do you it. But you do it and you get to the other side and that's one of those moments where you're like, wow, this was on a bucket list and now I did that shit, but now I'm focused on something else. Yep. And it's hard. And it's- that's... And that's where, like, I feel bad for the the people sometimes where it's almost like the industry. I've seen it happen a bunch where they they pick this person up. It's like a plant situation. And then they spit them out. Every opportunity under the sun. It it goes, we're going to pick you up for, could be a million different reasons. Mm -hmm. It could be everything from, you're my, you're my, one of my client's roommates to you're a cousin to you're a TikTok star to whatever that's funny i've literally seen all three of them. Like, but, <laughs> i feel like now i've been around the, so around reading the sun my rotation enough to like see and it's and it's hard yeah when it's one of your friends yeah it's hard when it's someone who has that potential mm-hmm. and for for a you know majority of different circumstances they ended up in this position where they got picked up by a massive team, mm-hmm. given about a year to have every opportunity under the sun, yeah. every major festival, a contract with Disco Donnie for five festivals, a contract with Insomniac Records for 10 festivals, mm-hmm. and every club they do, maybe some small headlines, and then and then they say, okay, go sell tickets. Yep. Oh, and dude, that is so savage. I've seen that happen so and many they times. They fucking peer yep. and they get replaced, or they're still there and they get benched and they get replaced by somebody who's identical. And, and the whole time, too, the really fucked up thing is like their the industry and their team is telling them they're not selling tickets because they aren't good. It's not because <laughs> the, the project has not built completely artificially yeah and and, you know what i mean they've never had any real like ticket history it's just jumping on these huge shows where they're playing at six o'clock to like 50 people in a ten thousand cap they're like well i don't know how you didn't turn that into 500 organic tickets and it's just like oh it's just i feel that's why i feel so bad for them and it's just like oh people hearing this like them hating on some of the plants just realize like how hard they've got it like burn is hard it's more so they say they hate the they hate the flood, you know, the player, not the game. But in this case, hate the, the game. game. Hate the, the game, game. the game is fucked up. So it's just so like, fucked up. And it's, yeah. and it's, you're, and you're so right. Cause it's like, you know, obviously you have, you know, the, the demon of comparison that happens no matter what position you're in. And I mm-hmm. think everybody goes through phases where they have really good strokes of being like, not tunnel vision, mm-hmm. I'm supportive. I want everybody to win. And then you have those moments. I mean, 
maybe not everybody. I have those moments where I'm like, fuck, man, like, why isn't this happening? But it's also so hard when you like understand the reality of like, not only is that individual getting like really I'm I'm very thankful and I think your community and fan base is very, you know, generous and nice as well. Yeah. Where like I've never been in a position where I've received like huge amounts of hate online. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think I'm in a mental capacity where I definitely can handle it now. Whereas in maybe the first one to two years of my career, I'd be like, Oh my god. Oh, I would, oh god. I would like, I'm yeah. like I literally like back at like the seventh grade school table kind of deal. Um, they receive so much hate on the way up. And on the way down. Yeah. And yeah. then on the way down, it's like, holy shit, like this may have been something that they had been working years towards and things aligned. This happened, this happened, this happened. And then your career's gone. And like it's it's also that kind of conversation though about the journey where some people just want to do it, hit it, quit it, quit. Yeah. And like that's dope. Yeah. Like fucking run it, like do it. But people who I think, you know, this is their life and this is their craft and everything. Yeah. They want to do this for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, like, and maybe that's it's not like, a DJ, but. Exactly. You see people that, at least the most, the music I gravitate towards the most is like the lifers. And if they didn't have a brand, it wouldn't matter. They have to make music. It is like, I know for me, it's the same way. It's like a mental health thing. Like, oh, I, yeah. just as much as, you know, you need to exercise, like, I need that outlet. Um, even if no one hears it. Um. And that's like you said, even, you know, your Patreon students, some of them are just doing it for the ability to have that outlet. I think that's really important and really beautiful. Um, So it's, yeah, if you're a lifer, setting it up in a way where you can continue to do it and enjoy it for your life is like really important too. And understanding the skill set we have, like if you're not, you know, again, to each their own, like. There are a lot of people in this industry, especially in the more commercialized genres where it's kind of like you get that model DJ or you get that, you know, Las Vegas resident guy or or and, you know, it's it's more of like a face and a performer kind mm-hmm. of deal. But if you're really like making your music and getting better and like doing all this stuff like you have such a skill set that can be applied to so many things out of making EDM. Definitely. I think that's something we're seeing a lot now, too, is people realizing we don't all need to take the same path. Something I actually loved. I don't know if you saw the the Dead Mouse stuff where people were freaking out because he said, like, the pre-recorded set thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I fucking love Dead Mouse. All the stuff that, like, people get so mad at him for. If I ever have him on my podcast one day, we will have a field day. All the all the shit he says, I agree with most of it. I'm just like, he's the only one fucking saying it. But so the pre-recorded thing, it at anyway. The whole reason I brought it up was because I love that he's like, I'm engineer first, I'm a producer second, and he's like, I'm not a fucking DJ. Yeah, and I just love that he knows what he's good at and leans into that and makes it work for him. Where we all don't need to be a DJ, we don't need to be a performer. You know, some of it, and that's how, you know, I view myself as more of like an engineer. I love getting into like the nitty gritty of just making stuff sound as cool as possible because of that. Like an I'm audio probably, file. Yeah, like exactly. Super, yeah. Like, I know I'm not the best songwriter in the world. Um, It's like, it's good enough, but I know people who just like, it's just crazy. I see them in the studio and they just like think in music it. and I'm just like, yep. wow, I, that's just so impressive. So just like knowing your skill and knowing you don't have to be good at everything you know you it's can lean into what you're exactly yeah. and, and then you're kind of just stressing yourself out so 
taking a little bit of the the dead mouths approach and just kind of like this is what I'm good at and if I miss speaking on this it's because I don't I'm not a fucking DJ I don't know what I'm talking it's, it's fine if I say pre-recorded instead of pre-planned which I think was the big thing yeah, there was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then it's just you know so and especially now with like those A tier acts that have that type of production within it's a team effort. You might as well call yourself a band at that point. Yeah, yeah. You've got a set list. You've got time coded visuals. You've got everything starting at beat one, measure one, 10 p.m., set time, go. And yep. it goes all the way through, and you know exactly what's going to. I mean, I remember Excision's team reaches out almost every year. We're putting together the next set. Are there any demos? Are there anything? Whatever, whatever. And it's like, that's just the reality of like the production that they've chosen to put on it really it's for the fans at the end it of the is. day because think i always tell this to my it's students experience. it's like a play yes. when you go to a play no one goes there promptuing their entire line they have it memorized they practice and the reason they practice is because they want to give a performance that is amazing and immaculate for the fans sure all the actors could go up there and impromptu it it's going to be kind of goofy it's going to be like Meh. but if you go and plan it for months with an entire team it's going to be fucking extraordinary, which is what you're seeing in these big A tier acts. Yeah. And it's like everything if, from like Excision to Odessa. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I've said with even tour sets because someone's asking me, they're like, well, do you do a tour set that you like repeat or do you change it? And I was like, when I build a tour set, I put my 120, like everything is in it. I do, I edit every song. It is like I spend like a month on it and it's immaculate and it's pre planned, not pre recorded. And the reason I go city to city playing this set and not a different one every time is because I'm not just going to change it to make it different and worse just for the sake of changing it and then give some fans a worse experience than other fans. Exactly. I want to give them, say there's a couple fans who follow me city to city. I'd rather them have something that's slightly you know, repetitive than not give my all to some of my fans yeah so that's where and it's always it's always changing too for example i played last weekend i'm gonna play a similar set this weekend but also uh my buddy shanghai doom just sent me their new ep which i'm gonna put like three songs from there and here to, so it's like this always evolving kind of like a gumbo you're always stirring into like have you know? a template yeah you know? exactly and i just think that like and that's you know what Dead Mouse said is like the hard truth about 99.9% of DJs you mm -hmm. see at every major festival. Mm -hmm. They're not going in there with the playlist. Like maybe, maybe in the house lane, maybe, but not usually. Yeah. You know, like, you especially with harmonic mixing too. Yeah. If you're, keeping, if you're mixing in key, yep. not all of us are perfect pitch. I no, can't yeah. just be like, hit my Q button and be like, oh yeah, that's F sharp major. I know. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> I have a playlist of a thousand songs that I'm going to make my set right here on stage in front of 20,000 people. Let's go. While the C while I can't see the CDJs because the sun's glaring off them yeah. Yeah. and the mic's not working and it's 115 degrees. It's like, yep. there's already so many other things that like go wrong that it's like. It's a part of like being prepared. And like when you go on stage, like I feel like energy is very contagious. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you like, already know what you're playing and you're very prepared in that facet where you may just like add in a new idea or add in some new demos kind of deal and it's changing very minimally you can go up there and enjoy yourself and be that performer and put on that performer hat you exactly. know and like back to what you were saying about like i'm like the exact opposite where 
my boyfriend says I'm audiophile, but I feel like I'm only an audiophile, like really engineer savvy when it comes to the audio quality of the podcast. Mm. I will literally cry over bad audio. After the Soul Fest days, two days after that, my hard drive crashed. And I had it on like automatic backup. So I had like the first five episodes I recorded. And then the rest of them I had to pull from like the video audio. And like, you know, like I used like the RX Isotope products and like a little bit of AI and like tried to really jumble it together. But I've like spent so much time figuring out how to get the best dialogue and how to do the right chains and all that stuff. And I definitely have a little bit of that engineer in me. But when I sit down, like I just want to write. That's why I have like so many templates and presets and racks and stuff that I know like okay like this is what I'm going for like this is what I'm vibing and feeling and maybe I'll grab an instrument and go but then it's like okay I will open a new file you know I'll do the file save as start a mix project make sure everything's down to audio do a rough mix and then I hand it to an engineer yep and it's like here are the stems you have a field day yep and like it's, it opens up that creativity it's that a lot more. Collaborative art too that is mm. so normalized in every other genre but EDM. Yeah, it's really weird. People feeling weird about people getting their stuff mixed or mastered or engineered. It's just, I mean, even you can win a Grammy just for vocal mixing. Yeah. So it's vocal just mixing. like and vocal mixing, vocal just just the vocal. And you know what artists. I mean? So like as a vocalist, like I've finally gotten myself to a point where like if I sing. And I, you know, we do the Melodyne and then we're doing compression and then I've got my eight racks of everything from, you know, your dry to your parallel to your saturated to your quarter note delayed. Even the multiple takes of your harmonics, then walking you through that is like huge, you know, walking you through that and then being like, okay, this is good enough to play out for a show, but we're still handing it to someone because it's that level of expertise where I often find engineers that aren't producers have that technical aspect that I personally mm-hmm. lack. Definitely. And, and I feel like the more people, the better. Yep. There's a reason why even on most major EDM, I always say, hit the three dots on Spotify, go to the songwriters yep, credited, yep. and actually see how many people are working on these songs that are coming out for these major you know, artists, the Slanders, mm-hmm. the Nightmares, those guys. Because it's a very collaborative art. Yeah. Like, and that's anything with God, Lady Gaga, 20 to 40 people crowded on each song. Especially when you get to that level, if you look at the consist, I mean, we were talking about that momentum and expected to carry that, getting to like that pop, like just absolute ridiculous stardom, they're expected everything to be like a hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get this, this studio, sometimes you write something, you spend eight hours on it, and it is just not good. Not right. You know, so. And you can't force it. Yeah, exactly. And it's just part of it, though, because then you'll write eight hours, something terrible. Like, I did this the other day. Last week, I finished a demo, and I've been writing two songs in one lately. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yeah, oh, definitely, but, definitely. But I'm, like, writing these, like, conceptual like ideas and I'm like wow this like drop bangs here but the second drop doesn't really sound too cohesive mm-hmm. and and it was like two days of non-stop work I like got on the phone with my manager I was like listen to the demo tell him it's all over the fucking place like I don't know and he's like it sounds cool it sounds like it's two songs I was like I was like I totally agree with you and then I went home and in 45 minutes of just bouncing it to two separate project files in the mix project, not even composing anything different and just like rearranging shit. I was like, 
I just wrote two songs. Yep. They're fucking kick ass. Like, yep. let's go. But you would never get there if you didn't do the eight hours of shitty work. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, a analogy I like to use um, as far as like having the racks and just getting into the songwriting instead of doing all this like peripheral engineering is like when painters go to paint, it's awesome to go all these paintings right? here. I know. But I love it. They get their palette set with the idea of the colors they want. They don't go and like pour yellow, paint all the yellow, and then be like, okay, now I need to go to the art store and buy blue. And then they step away from the painting, they go and drive <laughs> 20 minutes, they buy blue, they paint blue, like, okay, now I need to go back and get black. Yep. And if you tried to create like that, it just, if the breaks in the creative flow, it would drive you nuts. So that's where like having all of this stuff, like even the sound design sessions done beforehand, where you kind of just like have it all laid out in the track and you can kind of pick and place almost like Legos as opposed to being like, oh, I need a growl here. Let's spend 45 minutes making a growl now. Yeah. It just like, it's, it disconnects it you so much from the you. creative process mm -hmm. where it's like, no, make your whole palette because then it also kind of gives your song direction because I know people are like, I just don't know where to go next. It's like, well, if you've got your palette, you know what colors you have. Well, if you've used, you know, yellow and blue and you've got green there and you haven't touched it yet, I don't know, give it, you know, throw some up yeah. there. So it's just, yeah, it definitely, I, I like what you said about that because that's really important is getting right into that like songwriting and having yourself set up so you're not like stopping every yes. single time to do a little bit of engineering here and there. And is that kind of how you approach your like creative process? Like you'll have sound design days that like you probably love as an engineer. Like, yeah, definitely. Do you have like outboard gear? Like do you have some analog stuff? Like are you mostly still like, just I'm, so you love deep, like digital VSTs. Yeah, mostly digital still. Um, I, I I switch around a lot. Um, I feel like Phase Plant I've been using phase a lot. I really like Phase Plant. Yeah. Yep. And then Serum, obviously, still a big go-to. I like when whenever I feel like I'm at my full creative energy, that's when I like to songwrite. Okay. And then when I'm just like tired or had a really like long day, but I still want to be creative, that's when I do things like drum synthesis or sound design because it's I feel like it's easier to kind of chug through some of that stuff when you're just kind of like half over. get some grooves going or like or like put down just like a melody or just go and you open a project and you're like I'm in F minor. Exactly. Exactly, because there's no expectation there. When you go and you're just like, I'm just going to write a melody. Anything you do is going to end up being a melody, and it doesn't have to fit any sort of vibe or anything like that. It's just something you're putting away. So, because I feel like when people approach creative stuff tired, they can get very discouraged yes. by not making progress because they're tired. So, put yourself in a situation where there's no bar for progress. Just no matter what you do. It's going to be dopamine, you know, it's going to it's like you're going to be happy with it. So that's where all the like creating your palette comes in when you're tired, don't necessarily feel like being 100% creative. And then when the creativity strikes, you've done all that pre-work and now you can just capitalize on everything you've been doing the last week or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially I know a lot, like you said, like people getting into this, you still work at nine to five, like a lot of these producers getting into it. Just like even me doing lessons like two or three hours a day, which is definitely not a nine to five. And as people were working outdoors too, I have I don't know how you'd come home after that and then want to produce or, like, so, or have the uh, energy to. Mm -hmm. So that's why, and that's a lot of my students deal with that. And it's like, you know, just get something, just do a little something and then yeah. you won't feel so bad about it. And then Saturday comes, Saturday morning, you can be like, all right, get into all the, you know, we can hit the track now. I don't have to spend the first five hours of Saturday making growls <laughs> yeah 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 literally 
And and I think that's it's it's everybody's lifestyle is set up just so differently. Everybody's mm. situation is so different that you have to find something that works for you. Definitely. And like I had Zen uh, Selecta on last week and she was like, you know, like the exercise, the outdoors part, like the balance part is huge for me because she's like, especially as someone who's really still growing and learning in yep. the production lane. She's like, I can't sit down and focus and not get frustrated if I don't have this like energy out of me. And I know like you like like you're going climbing tomorrow yep, yep. and you do like a bunch of outdoor stuff. Like I know you do some yoga stuff, like just like looking at your Twitter and like seeing your posts and stuff. You have very balanced, you know, energy orientated kind of aura to you. Do you feel like that definitely affects kind of your progression and your project? Yeah, definitely a lot. Um, and all these things have just like come from just like extreme stress struggle. It's always like something that's led me to like all the best things in my life have been like the worst things in my life. For example, what led me to climbing was I um, had lost my cat last year who me and my girlfriend have had for like eight years. And he was just like basically just went missing. And it was just like a weird like no closure thing. And so I just I needed something just to like get me out of the house like I couldn't even produce or anything so having that physical outlet of, of climbing I, I mean it's changed my life now I love the community it's uh made me a lot better shape um it's made my music a lot better but like I said it was like one of the worst things that kind of like pushed me to I was like I have no idea what else I can do I like can't be happy right now so it's like I need to reach outside of what my norms are yeah. and try to find something else to cope so that's, you know, where a lot of the stuff had just dealing. I've dealt with anxiety, too, for, you know, most of my life. It was very extreme in middle. It was funny you said, like, the seventh grade, like, lunch table thing. Because, yeah. like, immediately, like, panic shock. I actually had to go to, like, an alternate school for, like, the first half of the year in seventh grade. Because I had moved to New York from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And it was just, like... I had done three moves in like two years. That's a shock. And it was, yeah, during those years. And I was moving from Texas. So I had a very thick Texas accent yeah. in like New York. Yeah. And like, I, I love my New Yorkers now, but they are not the most sugar-coated people, especially coming from no. Texas. And like, you know, it was it was a big culture shock and it was a lot to get adjusted to. But um, again, that led to like a lot of, my meditation which brought me into like lucid dreaming and stuff at the time and i had no idea what was going on but getting older i was like oh it's all these like biofeedback and this awareness of body and self that i like had to do because i was just like i couldn't even sit through class without doing these like breathing techniques but then going into adulthood i was like oh i like taught myself like astral projection and like like oh my god like lucid yeah. dreaming and stuff so it's some, I don't know, some pretty crazy stories about dreaming and stuff. And that's why, like, I'd be, you know, name myself yeah. shit and stuff like that. Oh, but, wow. Um, that's wild. Even, like, my girlfriend, we've been talking uh, about this more lately. Um, but when I first met her, I had been, like, meeting her in dreams for, like, years what? before that. And it was always, like, this kind of, like, romantic situation, but it, like, never had a face. We you know how people have, like, this energy or this yeah. aura where yeah. you, like, know it's them. So as soon as I met her, it was, like, this same energy of this person I had, you know, been spending a lot of time God. with in these dreams. And then I, I was terrified because I was, like, all right, this is, like, the, my soulmate. Yeah. I was, like, I can't fuck this up. So I was, like, the, it was we'd known each other, like, a week, and I bought her an electric force ticket, but I didn't tell her. I was, like, 
this girl's gonna think I'm fucking insane. Yeah. So I didn't tell her any of this till like like down down the road. But then I don't know. She was just like, oh my god, that yeah makes so much sense. And then I stopped having the dreams and I stopped seeing this person, which was even more of like this indicator to me. This is who you've been looking for. This was like the feeling, and it's I don't know. It's I've like met like friends like past parents and had conversations with them and then when i brought it up to my friends they were like i no one's known that except for like me and this like so it's out of some really really like deep crazy shit where i even didn't like believe any of it until it just started like you know irrefutable evidence was coming out because i just told my buddy i was like hey i've never met your dad before but like you know i met with this dude who said he was your dad who said this isn't that like a funky dream he's like that actually is my you know like past father who this is what he used to say to me all the time and I was like, what the fuck i was just i thought we were just like breakfast telling you about my weird dream i didn't think we were like going into like the astral realm here so did you feel like that was like a i guess result of like the meditation that you like implemented so or had you all do you have you always had dreams like this and then you didn't know how to understand them i had to bring it up to my mom because then i was like I, I was like, I remember having weird sleep habits as a kid. Like, what what's up with that? And she was like, you, like, couldn't sleep as a kid. You had, like, such violent night terrors that you, like, refused to sleep. So even at, like, a soup, I don't even know how y'all, I was like, four or five. And they were, like, had me go into, like, therapists doing all this, like, biofeedback and these, like, deep meditation and, like, sleep tapes. Which then I started thinking back to, like, I had a lot of reoccurring dreams as a kid. And then I was able to get out of those reoccurring dreams by becoming lucid in them and like fighting back at like the dream. Like separating yourself. Yeah. Like one of these dreams, it was such a weird one. It was like this witch would come and like haunt me and these two kids. And it was like, it went on for like two years of me being a kid. And the only it way. The same dream over and same, over, over and over. And we would just, yeah. and the, we would just stand still. The key was you just couldn't move and then she wouldn't see you like T-Rex or something. <laughs> so she, I just remember her walking past me being like terrified in all these dreams. And finally, I was like, you know what? I've had enough. I am sick of this. And so I finally just like, I was like, what do you want? And like screamed at her. And she's like, oh, nothing. We're cool. And just like, that was it. And the dream just like disappeared. I never had it again. And since then, I started having more of these dreams where I could like, this is, I was like six years old. Do you feel like you're like, because I have, I still have night terrors that are like wild and I'll have night terrors and I'll like my alarm will go off and and if I don't have to be up like it's not for, like a work thing or whatever and I'm like on my own time I will go back to sleep and finish the dream yeah I yeah. will like I will tell myself like no like like all my boyfriend he does he, he does he never makes fun of me but it's just hilarious because we'll wake up and I'll be like no like I have to go back to sleep yeah. like I have to finish this yep. shit oh I totally get Wild. it it's like That's crazy I've been like woken up deeply sad sometimes because i've had these like dreams that feel like they last for like a week you and wake I've, up exhausted and it's like i build this deep connection with someone not even like a romantic love but like like almost like a brotherly where yeah. it's just like but then i wake up and i'm like this person doesn't exist i'm never gonna see them again but it's so weird because it's so real it's such a genuine connection like it's like this longing of someone that you almost like someone passing away it's it's I don't know. That's why I think the dream world is like this whole connection to like what we are at like a base level, like the common human like consciousness, yep. like our soul soup or yeah. whatever. I think it's us like taking glimpses into that, but not knowing necessarily how to process what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. 
So we relate it to things that we understand here. Do you feel like in your dreams that you're always in a realistic situation? Are you in like an inception kind of fucked up crazy thing? Because I'll have dreams like I have my first Red Rock show end of next month. About Congratulations. Awesome. About two months ago, started having night terrors about the Red Rock shows. Started, <laughs> started having these wild dreams that there was like flash flooding and then I somehow oh, missed no. the show <laughs> or like the show was going on and we thought it was on a different day. Like something that would just never happen. But you're like, you know, like subconsciously you're thinking about it so much that it's coming through in your dreams. And then I've also had dreams where it's like, you're you're in like Dubai or like somewhere in the Middle East and like then all of a sudden like you drop down into this huge ocean and like things are moving and like friends you haven't seen in years are like falling past you like crazy or like people shit. or everywhere you're talking to someone and you turn and like answer someone else and you turn back and it's a different person and <laughs> for in the dream it just you don't skip a beat no. you're just like oh yeah I'm just gonna continue this conversation like that wasn't super weird but then you go to like remember the dream and you're like what the hell so it's yeah crazy when I started taking edibles it helped me substantially my boyfriend remembered because when we were in Florida like suppress the dreams yep, yep yeah yep. <laughs> yeah like like when we were in Florida I would either I either wouldn't dream at all or I would have like nightmares mm-hmm. and then when we came out here I would take one edible a night and then I just wouldn't dream. Like I was just out. Yep. Best sleep yep. I've ever had since <laughs> I think I've been like five. And now like I have a tolerance to it, which it still helps. Like mm-hmm. it definitely still helps. But, you know, the dreaming will come back sometimes. And then sometimes it's not as like nightmare Sometimes yeah. it's other types of dreams. So it's it's very curious to me like how those kind of like – not necessarily like substances, but like AIDS really affect that like tranquility of your like dreaming. Cause I always Definitely. do feel like it's related. And I feel like when you don't deal with things in your own life, they come up in your dreams oh, or 100%. like, or like they'll show or like da, da da da. But I've never had a dream where it's like what you said, like, like the future is there, but you can't really understand it. And then it does happen. Yeah. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. yeah it's, well, that's what, as far as the substance thing, people have asked me a lot, like, how can I lucid dream? And that's my number one thing is if you smoke weed, stop. And yeah. if it's like, even if it's like a tough, it like the best way to force it is like cold turkey it just for a couple nights. Even if you're yeah. not planning on quitting weed, stop for a couple days. That's the quickest way to like throw yourself into this just like super deep sleep where you start having these dreams and it, especially these more like, Vision ones, vivid, yeah. yeah, where you like have a little control, and then a dream notebook too is like really important, especially for people who they're like, I don't dream at all, or like they just get flashes of like things like smells or colors, yeah. But just writing that stuff down, just be like, hey, I remember purple flashes of light, uh, being slightly happy, and then being afraid of a bus or something. Even as vague as it is, it like makes those connections in your brain to start remembering more and more. And be surprised, like, in, like, a couple weeks, I've seen people be able to, like, go from remembering just, like, vague senses to, like, full-blown, like, you know, dreams that are very vivid. So, yeah, not using substances and then um, doing the dream notebook is, like, two of my biggest tips if anyone out there is trying to lucid dream yeah, or that's get into wild. that stuff. Um, that's so crazy. Dream is a thing that I think so many people go through in different ways because everybody dreams differently but not a lot of people actually like talk about because it's so like 
personal. Yeah. Like, da, 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 da. Um, do you – I can't remember. Are you – if you don't feel comfortable, just let me know. Are you completely, like, sober or do you, like, microdose? Like, are you, like um, – I do microdose. Um, I've just started doing that. Does that help you substantially? It's helped me, but oh, I, it yeah. may just be because oh, I've yeah. never done it ever. Definitely. I, I don't think I've ever, like, technically, like, tripped. Like, at least that's what everybody says. They're like, you haven't really tripped. I'm like, it's okay. I don't think I ever really need to trip. Yeah. But, like, the euphoric feeling and, like, just, like, I was just telling my boyfriend because he, he's going to a bachelor party this weekend in Florida. Like, they're going That's on a awesome. cruise. I'm like, don't die. There's, like, Category 5 hurricane. Fucking oh Atlantic. Just, like, boiling up. I'm like, okay, be smart. Um, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to, like, move my studio into the living room, put everything on the ground, bring all the instruments out, and just, like, chill the whole weekend. And yeah. just, like, create, do whatever. I definitely think it's helped in a rut, but I don't know if it helps, like, long term. I definitely the, the biggest thing I've noticed with it is I feel like you know when we're born as kids you don't walk around like nervous you're like everything is like when you're a clean slate it's not like human intuition or instinct to be afraid of stuff it is you want to explore all new stuff is very exciting and I feel like as we get older and we get hurt you know trauma makes you more afraid it, it like adds this perspective or almost this like jadedness um to the world especially when you get hurt when you get hurt or like you know whether it's like a friendship or a boyfriend or girlfriend or family or like mm-hmm. something like that or you get bullied or you yep. get made fun of yep. it just like it's like this crippling thing that just starts to weigh on you definitely and it's and you know builds more and more of just this like I don't know, shield or just like outlook on the world where you're just like, oh, the world just getting worse. Or what's just like, you know, this old people like back in my day, you know? So I feel like that's where like the micro dosing and, you know, just tripping in general helps reset that perspective. You go from like, for example, someone who's like is a bully, you go from seeing them just as this like evil, disgusting thing to seeing this like hurt, vulnerable like child. You really start to see the pain in things and over like just the anger and it just lets you have a perspective on like i don't know how hurt we all are together and all just trying to get through it so angry yeah especially you know it's hard because you just said the whole like you know older generations looking at us being like you guys are fucking crazy what are you doing you don't know how to work you don't know how to have a job you know everything you see on the media Mm -hmm. but it's like everybody's just so angry and and that's what i do feel like especially the Wakan community, you guys really break down those walls, whether it's artists, fans, supporters, whatever. You guys act as one a lot. And, you know, with electronic music becoming so mainstream, you know, on all fronts, I think a little bit of that community has been diminished, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's it's like, that's why, like, the whole, like, Fleur thing and, like, having this community has always been, like, that focused on aspect that people from other genres of music come to and they're like wow like we don't feel this in our crowds yeah yeah definitely and i know that's what i mean got me into this community so even what got me into the rave scene was i was going through like really bad breakup i didn't have my first like real girlfriend until college and it was my freshman year of college we dated and then really bad breakup and i came back sophomore year and it was like you know my first relationship i just said goodbye to all my friends dumped everything into it and just got like super lost in this yeah. girl and then so coming out of it 
I, you know, had just a couple good friends who were just like, uh, it was actually one of my female friends. She's like, all right, you need to get out of the house. I'm taking you to a club. And I was like, no, I'm like, because I went to school for electrical engineering. Yeah. I'm a super nerdy engineering boy. I don't like talk to people and I definitely don't dance. And she's like, no, you're coming out and you're dancing. And it was just so cool, like dancing like an absolute idiot because like no one cared. Like it was just this first time, you know, and being an engineer, everything's overcalculated. Everyone's watching me, you know, I'm, and that's just turned off for like the first time in my life. And it was so neat just to be like in a room of other people who otherwise felt like outcasts in yep. their day to day life and just come together and just like have no judgment. And I think it's just like we have lost parts of that. It Things becoming more mainstream, you know, it's like good and bad. You always have that balance. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the scene still does have that. And it's still beautiful. Um, but also to like. To not forget, that's why a lot of us come here. Yes. You know what I mean? Is for that acceptance. And uh, I don't know, especially when you're getting into just like people getting angry at all, like the producers for all this, like, I don't know, people freaking out at Dead Mouse for misspeaking. It's just like, there's way bigger fish to fry in the universe yeah. as far as like world hunger and actual shit that affects people other than like. Well, what we were talking about know. before, like, how important it is to have friends that are outside of EDM. Mm. In fact, maybe don't like EDM. Yes, yes. <laughs> and if you talk to them and you mentioned like John Summit, maybe they wouldn't know who you're talking about kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, we. I mean, even, even to now with the whole like, influencer culture, which that's a whole other podcast in itself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there are people who, work in electronic dance music who are not artists who are not industry professionals who have monetized this mm -hmm. to be their job yeah and quite frankly it's a fucking awesome reality to live in mm -hmm. but it's not the reality that most live in oh yeah and and to have that like duality and to understand like whether it's through a partner or a best friend or even like close family members what most people's lives look like on a day-to-day -day basis, I think humbles most individuals. Definitely. And it's funny that we're like, I feel like one of the only of these like kind of niche communities that for some reason almost expects the rest of the world to understand exactly. It'd be like just some like cement truck mixer coming up and like speaking in all their nomenclature and being like, oh, you don't know about mixing it with lye and being like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? Where we just walk up to people and, you know, split this stuff out. Like we're like, oh, you don't know John Summit? Like weird, but we yeah. forget that yeah. this is definitely like, a bubble we're in it's gone mainstream in a lot in, uh, in places but it's still very much a, it's still a bubble yeah it's still very much you a know? bubble in our own little world so yeah it's like you said it's so important just to get that perspective on like the whole rest of the world just like stepping outside of like all of our own like little problems or whatever yes. and just Isn't like really so minute you know yeah it's 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 like even talking about you know, the mishap with Easy from the past weekend mm -hmm. and that be weighing into like just artists building and curating their own events and mm -hmm. focusing on what makes them happy and what they want to do for their own shows. Definitely. And like, because like at the end of the day, the more I think you do away from the festival circuit and build that way, the more opportunities you're going to have in the festival circuit. Yeah, like, like for people who are listening where it's like, maybe you don't understand how like lineups are so greatly facilitated. It's like 
when you realistically understand that a whole talent budget for a festival, 80 to 85% of that is spent in the top six names. Oh, yeah. And then from the top down, it's really built on market history and how many tickets you sold in the Southwest. Or the same team as those top six names. The same agent as those top six names. But they're (laughs) only getting maybe $750 for the entire show just to be on there and play to 50 people at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. You know, that's a really crazy reality and you know and it's unfortunate that we have these staffing issues and we have these people who are throwing festivals that don't really know the logistics of it and stuff there's much bigger problems yeah <laughs> at the end of the day there's much larger problems like the end of the day it's our it's it's our occupational like issues where it's like everyone does everyone has shitty days at work yep. you know what i mean regardless of what your job does some days are gonna suck and gonna our suck. shitty days are much better than most people's shitty days yeah that's why I say, like, go work construction and tell me about a shitty day in EDM. Like, come on. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And then now I know you're doing, like, other things. In yeah. To Lucid. Yeah. So tell me kind of about that. I had, when I posted on my stories for questions, someone really was, <laughs> gave, like, five responses wanting to know about the fast track. Oh, awesome. So what, awesome. Is, so what is that that you're involved in now? So uh, Fast Track, I actually heard about it through Sully, um, okay. the artist. Yeah. And so we've gotten love you know him. really close over the Our years. Love uh, is he's... not out yet, right? It's coming out soon. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. His tour started yesterday. Awesome. Oh, so, so exactly. yeah, he's, I absolutely love him. Um, just great dude. And so I reached out to him as my tour was wrapping up and – I mean, just all the stresses we talked about, just all the pressures and numbers, and it is really hard to to tour. And transparently, some dates crushed. You know, we sold out Meow Wolf. Yep. Some dates I had fifty people at, and it was just like, and I'm totally fine with that. But, but it's that the happens to everybody, and they just don't want to show. They it. don't talk about it, and that's where it's just like, I don't know. So that's where I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely want to change my approach on Lucid. I don't think that constantly just going for this non-stop like momentum game is, is working well for my mental health so i reached out to sully because i know he'd been working for this school and i was like i really think i want to start you know educating and doing engineering full-time and then uh have lucid be just passion projects if i don't feel like a show is something i'm passionate about i can just turn it down you know what i mean it does i don't have to take everything i don't have to yeah. do stuff that i don't feel good about because i need to eat Yes, you know, yeah, because so. that diminishes everything. Not only does it diminish the value of your project if you're forced to take this booking where maybe like you're, you know, in your own mind or your team's mind past that point or mm-hmm. maybe this isn't a good pairing. Like, no, like I shouldn't be playing with like fucking Dom Dollar. Like, you know, like yeah, some crazy exactly, shit where it's yeah, like exactly. this doesn't yeah. make sense for me and the growth of my project. And I know going into this, I'm only going into this for a money play yeah. and I'm not walking away with anything else. Yeah. And you're probably going to feel bad about it too. Sometimes bringing on the crowd, like yeah. the crowds are just like, yeah, we want yeah. Dom Dom. I'm like, I'm love, sorry. love the person in the front row who decides to face with their back towards yeah, you. Yeah, it's, exactly. all, it's always the best. Okay. Keep going. Keep so, going. so yeah, fast track. Um, I got into uh, Sully gave me a great reference there. Um, and it's like a 12-week program similar to kind of a college setup where okay. uh, the first four weeks they spend going through our pre-made like video curriculum. And then um, three times a week we have um, one of our mentors. So there's three mentors total, me, Sully, 
And then another one uh, goes by producer Omos or Oliver. Okay, yeah. And um, so we do a group session. I actually just did mine yesterday where all the students submit any questions they have while they're going either through the videos, the curriculum, or while they're working on their tracks. Okay. And it's just kind of like office hours, you know, yeah. in college, but like a group office hours. So they can all learn from each other's questions. Yeah. Um, and usually that's like, yeah, it's like three times a week and they usually go about a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And um so it's on the schedule where every two weeks they submit a song. So by the okay. end of the 12 weeks, they have five songs submitted. Oh. It's like a nice little EP yeah. because so many producers, the big issue they have, they can get stuff started, but they don't get stuff to the finish line. Yeah. So a big part of what we focus on is this kind of this workflow, having a good mentality, not only giving you the tools for to know what to do, but also to when you struggle and you get stuck in these ruts, how to push through those. Or if you work a nine to five, how to structure your life in a way where you can finish a song every two weeks and still work 80 hours in those two weeks, yeah. you know, because we get students from all different walks. Yeah. Um, and that's just been super rewarding working for other people where at the end of the day, like with Lucid, you know, I put a song out and it does like good or bad. It, it affects how I feel about like, myself but it's different when i'm working for other people like my student puts a song out and it crushes that makes me so happy it makes me more happy than if i put out a song and it crushes it's just i don't know i feel like there's something to be said about like moving on into that chapter of life where you feel like bringing other people up yeah it makes sense i'm like 33 now so even like looking into like kids and stuff in the future so it makes sense you know take some yeah new ones under my wing and just Stop making it about me so much. I just like, I feel like that is another just like when you feed your ego too much and always make it about you, yeah. you're going to end up depressed because the ego is fucking hungry. <laughs> and it's hard because it's like this industry specifically demands you to be very selfish at times mm-hmm. and because it, it's it's hard. It's, yeah. it's like those things where you want everybody to win, but the harsh reality is not gets to win yep. and and you have to make decisions sometimes that are maybe not where your morals and values lie or you kind of deem the consequences of losing that momentum yeah losing that sacrifice yep. and i think also teaching has taught me more about what i know than any session where i'm sitting with someone or i'm doing my own thing when you have to elaborate and articulate how to post process and what OTT actually is. And yeah. I think the biggest the biggest question is what the fuck is compression and what the <laughs> fuck is saturation? And, I love and, it. and I've watched a million different videos and there's a million different answers and what yeah. really is it? And then like having to actually go, oh, what really is it? Because I know what it sounds like, mm-hmm. but can you actually obtain that information enough? to teach it to someone else confidently. Definitely. And, you know, not only and and art is so biased too. I think that's a huge thing as well where a lot of the kids that I work with, it's like, I'm just giving you like my take on what I would do. Yeah. But like that's from my skill set and my experience. And like you're gonna go to someone else and they're gonna tell you something totally different. Yep. So you just have to take from, you know, you, Soli, Omas, whoever may be in there, like any like like Crank Dad has a great Patreon. I think Bleep Bloop had a great Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Barely Alive did like Cone Sound. Turnium. Yeah, I was like about to say Cone Sound. Cracked. I was about to say Turnium Sound, but Cone Sound did. Like, there's definitely 
people out there where it's like just go and absorb. Yeah. And and one on ones are great ways to learn. But I think this whole Patreon like producer school like Wes End kind of started something very similar for like the house side of individuals. Yeah. Where he's got a bunch of house producers who he brings on and they sell their project files for songs that will never come out. That's cool. For kids to like download and open and like That's learn really from, like cool. what somatics used to fucking do. And and it's just like there's so many different ways to learn, but at the end of the day, art is art. Mm-hmm. And like you have to make conscientious decisions in what you want to sound like definitely and if you can't get there then it's like how do i cross the bridge from a to b and then go to your mentors and say this is exactly what i'm being hindered with i still do that all the time yep i think that's the cool thing about like producing is you're never gonna stop learning 100 percent, especially because the standards are always changing even looking a few years ago just like this whole loudness war thing it's and that's some of my students. Uh, even the last couple of weeks, are like, like a brick wall, <laughs> no dynamic range. They're like, wait, it's I see red on the master. I can only get this to like minus nine. And I'm like, okay, we're this has been my new experiment. I do with all of them. I'm like, I'm gonna put a utility on here. I'm just gonna turn it up. We're not even gonna look at the master. No, yeah. don't, don't even look. I'm, I'm just gonna there. turn it up until it sounds shitty. Like it sounds like really just over. Like you hear and that you know, distortion. You hear that low end come in, and you're like. Ew. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it was. So my one student, we it was like sitting at like minus nine uh, lofts. We turned the track up to about like minus five and started getting really heavy distortion. And then I brought it up on like a like span like spectral mm-hmm. analysis. And I was like, you have way too much low end. If we take some of the lows down, we can probably push this further. So I put the lows down and we push. And it was at like minus two and a half lofts from like minus nine but it was all you know the red it was clipping like crazy but you didn't hear notable distortion yeah. and the little bit of crunch you did hear was pleasurable it was almost like saturation would have been added anyway yeah so that's something years ago like if you told this to like engineers and oh stuff my God. they'd freak I went out to full sale yeah, yeah. oh so I went, yeah the full, i was a full sale. okay like, yeah like we, everything i was taught and i went for foley sound so it was a little bit different i wasn't in there i was i think the music production program started right right as I came in and mm-hmm. that was an option and I was like ooh this would be cool but I was like I'm already like writing music out of this I was like I need to win like a skill set yeah, like, I need yeah. like a trade yeah. that I can walk out of here with that like actually now plays into obviously like a lot like having like the Pro Tools like knowledge and stuff like that like mm-hmm. I love using Pro Tools just for vocals yep. but everything else like I'm in Ableton where it's like you know it's it's one of those things where the standard, you know, and, and I've ordered so many of those, a mixing engineer's guide to handbook. Da, 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 da. And like, while it's cool, even though I hate reading it and it's very hard for me to obtain knowledge that way. Yeah. It's like, I always tell my students, Subtronics is like plus 20. So you just have to go on yeah. what sounds like. Look at your span. The span tells all. Yeah. Box span, free plugin. Yeah. Download it. So easy. Make yeah. sure it's off the official site. <laughs> and And like, just use visual representations that can show you what's happening, even if your ears are fatigued, even mm-hmm. if you're in an untreated room. Exactly. Sonar works is another really good yeah, thing yep. that, like, I think Ray Volpe put me onto it years ago. And I was like, ooh, this is fucking dope. I remember sometime, one, one time I posted a studio clip and they're like, I have Yamaha HSE. Yep, yep. And I love them. But I, I had them, like, on the side for a while. I'll switch them. I'll literally just destroy my studio, rearrange. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, I have sound artworks, bitch. Like, yeah. I, like yeah. I, don't, I don't need that shit. But, yeah. but it's just, like, use that. 
and then go by your year. Mm-hmm. You know, use reference tracks. Yeah. Like use those things where you're doing the A B comparison and the the rules just like know them and understand them. Like maybe the basis of things. Like mm-hmm. obviously, like, you know, there's different categories when you're mixing or sound design or whatever. Like know how to automate, like Definitely. know how to do that kind of stuff. But also throw the rules out the window yep and just go by what you want and that's where the reference tracks like you said are are just gold Mm -hmm. it's like because we we were talking about like uh revamping some of the the curriculum in a way where we teach people to mix in a way it's like one size fits all because say you're mixing you know subtronics level dubstep it's going to be mixed way differently than if you're doing a cascade remix so how do we teach people in a way that's going to get them to preserve the right amount of dynamics, get the, the right levels. And the oh, answer is reference tracks. Yeah. If your track, if you look at, you know, a Subtronics track and then your track and his subs and his mids and his highs are hitting a level and yours are hitting the same level, I can guarantee you're going to be within one or two luffs of his. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, and same thing with the Cascade track. You know what I mean? If, if you're getting relative values, it's going to have relative loudness. It's yeah. going to have relative quality, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Box fan, so, you lean loudest meter. Yeah, free. Just pair them together, and 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 yeah, and and I think the big thing to me too, especially when like I share racks or I get racks, mm-hmm. understanding that the rack wasn't made for you. Yeah, and like understanding that okay, this like barely alive vocal rack, like it's fucking awesome. It makes the vocal clip sound re- like Redux, like sound awesome. But you may need to tweak it. Yeah, that may not be. You know, it's not a one size fits all kind of situation. Yeah. So while there's so many tools out there, it's also taking those tools, understanding them, and then how can I use them to my benefit to be unique through like my own sound? A hundred percent. And that's what um I see a lot is just having these one size fits all approaches to engineering can be really misleading. And so that's what the question I always ask students is why? Because they're like, oh, I just, you know, I have a, like I did, I have, I bust all my synths and then on that group, I just put a limiter. And I was like, why? And they're just like, I don't know, because everyone just says to do that. It, help, <laughs> it helps package them together. Yeah. And I was like, do they, do they sound more packaged? I was like, I don't know. It's supposed to. So I think so. And I was like, I don't think it does. Like, you got to ask yourself why. Don't do these things just because it's arbitrarily done. Yeah. And that's why you start to do that. And that's like my one, uh, it was actually a lesson yesterday where I was like, why is that OTT on there? Did you not feel it was bright enough? And he's like, no, I don't I don't know. I just I, don't, I just put another one there. So I deleted it. And it sounded way better. So <laughs> yeah. We just turned a bunch of stuff off. I just went and turned off four or five of his EQing and stuff that he couldn't give me good whys for. And all of a sudden the synth was ripping. Yeah. I was like, your synth is great. We don't have to do anything. All I do is turn off everything you did. <laughs> yeah. It's just like. I was in Reddit yesterday and I'm trying to build up like new to Reddit. I'm trying to build up like my my karma points so I can uh, post. Oh, yeah. And I'm like commenting on all these fucking people's posts and our, our EDM or our electronic music. And there was a guy who was like, I'm coming from like prog metal or like, mm. you know, and I, and I want to make the transition. And, you know, a lot of people were like, dubstep tear out dubstep dubstep yeah. and i'm like totally he's like i want to go into like side trance da, da, da. he's just like it's intimidating that once you get into a daw he's like it's not an instrument where i can only riff so much and i can only play so many chords and there's only so many fingers on my left hand yeah yeah do this and then me to riff here and, and he said with ableton or fl studio there's so many possibilities there's so many infinite possibilities and i think that's 
very intimidating to a lot of beginners. And a lot of people just throughout all the time, I have to take a step back and say, stop overcomplicating, stop over post-processing. Like if the sound sounds good with one saturator and barely, you know, any wetness on it, let it go. Yeah, exactly. Like let it go. It's okay. It's okay. And because, you know, when you look at these massive projects, especially when you go on YouTube, you know, you look at like a kill the noise project or you look at something and there's like 200 tracks and all of these different things going on. But he has a reason for each of those Mm -hmm. things being there. And I think it takes a really long time to really get to a point where you say, okay, I have a why for each track and each thing that I'm doing for each little post-processing change. Yeah. Yep. And that's where I think it's good to have a why for engineering, but um, I feel like it's good to throw it away for sound design. Sound design just, and that's why I almost like see OTT used more for sound design, where like you just throw a bunch of shit together and then just like OTT the hell out of it, but then like reconstruct it with your engineering. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, very intentional in the engineering, very explorative and unintentional on the initial creativity and sound design because some of the sounds that come out from just doing absolutely ridiculous stuff. I know, like, Tynan is amazing at this. He's a beast. Just, like, getting him in the studio and about 45 seconds from him sitting in the chair, he has a absolutely ridiculous synth out. And it's almost no rivalry. He's like, instead of one phaser, how do you feel about 14? And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's like... Just- I downloaded some Crank Dot rats, racks from his Patreon. He's, he's probably one of the Patreons I play close enough attention to i love the way he breaks down projects there's there's everybody's learned so differently so when i see somebody who teaches in the way that i learned really well i'm like okay this is this is it let's run and grab it there is something that was just like beef it up and it's literally like five utilities and like 20 ott like just out the ass i'm like okay <laughs> sweet that sounds that sounds great yeah, it's definitely yeah. beefed it up like yeah. for sure but yes sound design is something where you just like go. Yeah. You just throw it at the wall. Yeah. Maybe you'll never use it. And put it in a single rack. Do something. You know, there's so many different things that Definitely. you can do with that kind of stuff. And that's like I see new producers being like, I don't know how to sound design. I'm like, just spin sound shit. Sound design was yeah. my hindrance. Yeah. Especially when I was like, when I had like the residency and I was like, I have a dubstep residency. I guess I'm making dubstep. Da 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 da. And, and it was very much so in the position of I was just like, on splice i was on other you know sound kind of bouncing torrent sites Mm -hmm. and that was my biggest hindrance yeah i can hear the sound in my head but i can't create it yep i can't create sound and and then when i got into more of like okay you're not fucking happy making hard dubstep like let's actually go back to your roots of you know rock and yeah and indie and all of that shit it was a lot easier for me to go into something like Omnisphere or mm-hmm. Native Instruments or play an instrument and then say, okay, well, now, like, you have the skill set to, like, post-process really well. Post-process that into a lead that sounds Yeah, crazy. yeah, guitar. Everybody yeah. has different things that work for them. Definitely, 100%. I think, yeah, again, the finding your strengths, like we were talking about, you with the, you know, the dead mouse thing and really playing to those and... But, like, early on being very explorative because you don't know your strengths if you don't try a bunch of stuff out. Yeah. Um, and even like, like dubstep producers exploring different genres that may not be dubstep will make your dubstep better. You know, like just exploring this liquid drum and bass production, it's made all of my like fills and breaks 
way better. I used to be so lazy with that, but now since it's like such a core part of so drum and bass, subtle and yeah. like crisp. Yep. And exactly what you're saying on the part of you know, listen to what I used to just listen to bass music. Mm-hmm. Like it was bass music twenty four seven. Boyfriend was like, "How do you do this?" And I was like, "I don't know." And I loved it, but the second I kind of started bringing back in you know, the metal influences and then maybe some Childish Gambino and then maybe some old yeah. and all this stuff. It really, like, it's, like, almost considered a part of, like, quote-unquote studying, but in a fun mm-hmm. way, like, listen to different types of music because there's so many influences that electronic dance music is having in other genres right yeah. now. And the way that their producers are using it are so different than mm-hmm. we formulate it that you can just learn so much. Definitely. You learn so much. I actually started a song recently based off of the Stain song, It's Been a While. Oh, yes. Just, just listen to the guitar in the beginning of that. The, the melody is so fucking good. And there's just been a bunch of that. That's so what me and my girlfriend call it Farmer Rock. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I've been, li- we've been listening to a lot of like farmer rock and Nickel stuff. Back. Just like all the radio yeah, and stuff like that. And some of the yeah. guitar riffs or some of the chord progressions are so sick and moody. Oh, die for that. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to die for those guys. Go to like the 98 Rock Fest, like all that. You'd have everybody from like Avenge Sevenfold to Lamb of God to like Megadeth to like just crazy so shit. So fun. Fact: I actually got to interview uh, M Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold. What? Um, That's fucking over like crazy. COVID because um, he was doing NFT stuff, and we were okay. like part yeah. of the yeah, same yeah, like yeah. Uh, circle. What happened and- to that? What What happened to that whole thing? Because I, I, I was think- this close to being. I was. I had like my toes in the water. Yeah, and I was this close to being very involved. And then it just seemed like a lot of people. I saw like Blau, and then I saw it trickle down, and then I saw a lot of people pull back. I think uh, it has, as what the actual technology is, it has a lot of potential to do some really cool stuff. Uh, for example, I actually built a virtual world during all of this for people to like go in and mm-hmm. VR. Yeah, and me and Martin threw a show there where we like recorded a mix together where we like I went to his house and we just did a set. And then like a I actually game. like, yeah, it was, it was, so it wasn't Minecraft. It was, um, in uh, bless you VR chat. Okay. Um, okay yeah, yeah. So I built a world in there and it was all just like, as if you were a person just shrunken down and it was like this mushroom land where all the mushrooms would like float and the spores were all like, uh, neon and stuff. And, um, so even after the show, I had people hit me up because they were getting married and wanted to have their wedding reception there because it was COVID. And so they got all their friends together in VR and they actually had the wedding in the world I built, which was really cool. Oh um, my God. So That's I, amazing. Right? It was, I don't know, it was super cool. So I think the potential, like at a base level, is, is really high for bringing people together and doing really cool new things. But one of the big negatives is anytime there is money up for it's like the gold rush in the West. People went out there if you were good at digging or not. You just went <laughs> yeah. there. So same thing, the NFTs. People, you don't have to be a software designer. They just saw money. You know what I mean? So a lot of people, that's where they just kind of made these projects that were less than genuine. I remember all of the gorillas. Remember when it was like, the, you, like everybody needs to own a gorilla and yeah. like, all of this stuff. And, and that's, like, I think, exactly what it was, is like the financial side of the world that's very money-orientated. Yeah. So, 
blockchain money. How do we do this? Let's do it. Because I remember like just starting to see the massive companies come in, like mm-hmm. the Googles, and the like Pepsi, and they, they even even festivals had NFTs that yep. you get for like attending the festival. And I think it's like so an idea I had that I thought would be really cool is to kind of like gamify some of the the, the lucid projects so that if you went to shows you would be able to like get these nft tokens that then you could redeem for something for example you go to a coffee every five coffees you get a free mug yeah or something like that exactly so this is a way for you to like prove people were at the show they're not like just taking a bunch of other people's tickets and turning them in Mm -hmm. and a way to then reward people for like attending shows or then you know give them something to go back to where it's like okay if we go shows you also have like access to this other world just other ways to like make it more involved and more of like this like tight knit community um which yeah i think it's cool but then other people just being like oh here's a gorilla pay me a million dollars for it based off of this weird supply demand hype of like and i think because that was the stuff that had the most money it was stuff that was the most advertised and it was the most visible Yes. And so that's all you saw on Twitter. Oh, everyone, yeah. someone would even say NFT and you couldn't even say the word because then you get a hundred bots. I actually was like super in, you know, into the whole technology, but I have the word NFT blocked on Twitter. You can't contact me. NFT Twitter is, I will say, I've ne- I would never say in my life that I ever thought a like subdivision of Twitter would be worse than EDM Twitter. NFT Twitter is a million times it's worse. the most annoying I joined thing, like, like three yeah. pages and all of a sudden exactly what you getting tagged i'm getting spammed i'm yep. getting botted i'm like what the fuck it ruined like, my discord i had to turn off where i couldn't receive discord friend requests for like two years because i joined one nft server and then all these people kept like trying to add me and i was afraid to click anything because all of a sudden it like signs into my wallet and takes all my shit so i was just like i just i just turned off so no one could request me on Di- discord yeah. but you know that's like a big part of our network yeah so it was just like so I think there's a lot of the negativity. I hope it does. And I think it will make a comeback in a way where we do see some of the more like gamification where like, I don't know, you go to a football game mm-hmm. and then you get like this memorabilia of like this digital ticket, which now instead of like putting it in a scrapbook or whatever, you have it in your that like digital it. wallet yep. or something. And then that's something that you can cash in for like, like I know Avenged Sevenfold does it. So you can actually get like a guitar from them and stuff like that. It's like really fucking cool. cool. Um so and there's ways to use it as creators. Like I really liked the sound XYZ thing. Yeah, yeah. Like yep. Son Holo's done some stuff. Pauline uh-huh. Hare's done some stuff with that where like you can put out songs you maybe wouldn't put out other places. Yeah. Yeah. Select few people. Like I like that. But I also was always just like wait like you own it but like you could post it places like i don't know like that was the muddy line for me yeah the weird ownership of i feel like they made that like it almost reminds me of owning the patent to something Mm -hmm. so like you own the patent to like i don't know bottled water but yet everyone else can drink bottled water (laughs) since you're the one who owns it you make money when people drink the bottle so that was like a lot of it and it just like i feel like no one gets excited about like patents and like if anything like I don't, I'm not excited unless I'm the one who owns the water bottle patent. Yeah. What do I care if someone else owns this making money off of everything I do? Yeah. Like, so that's where people are like, fuck NFTs, you yeah. know? It's yeah. Like, I definitely get the disdain against it. I, I think it's unfortunate because I do think it's a bit of a missed opportunity in some of the tech and, and some of, you know, 
the community building that could have been used for. But I do think it'll cycle back and be presented in a way that's less um, ambiguous and just, like predatory and weird. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping like uh, most things it hits like this this st- even like the dot com bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's, yes, it, you know things explode and then they normal out and then they become usable to the general public. So. And I think that's that's what it was like the initial hit, especially it was like on the back end, like dur- or during COVID, and nobody had anything else to do, and it was just this big up and down and all of that stuff. Um, I could talk to you forever. So, so I have a few questions that I have to ask you and then Definitely. I will let you go. Um, tell me about your like journey with the Lacan family. Cool. So actually it's a, it's a cool one. How I like met them all was I was having, uh, it was a really rough year for me and I was almost considering kind of like stopping music. Yeah. And I remember I want to say it was Izu I was at. Um, and I just remember looking at some of the main stage acts and being like, I, I just don't get this. Cause it is like, this is when I like the whole, I don't know, like plant stuff, like all that. I was ignorant to it. So yeah. I was just like coming to realize it existed. It was yeah. true. and was getting super depressed. And I remember Essex at the time was backstage and I just went up to him and t- I was like, what is this shit, dude? Like, what is going on? Like, how do we survive this? Like, I, I'm, I was like, I, I'm really discouraged yeah. and he's like man what about like Wakan? he's like this is you know a group that i've been signing with i was like man i've been submitting it's 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 really tough just to get noticed and he was like oh don't don't worry i got you so he went and was playing a couple of shows with space jesus at the time and you know played the tracks out for him and then joshua went and played them to martin yeah. and so within like two weeks of me showing essex these tracks and essex being like dude i got you uh Loper, Martin's manager, actually hit me up on Facebook. Or no, actually, Martin was the one who messaged me and was just like, hey, dude, love your songs. I heard them. You know, I was doing a back-to-back with Joshua, and I'm really into your music. He's like, do you do you need a manager? I was oh, just shit. like, what the fuck? Yeah, so, that's yeah. way better than getting any demo song. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. then, I mean, yeah, then I went, you know, met Loper, and we hit it off. And, um, yeah, from then, it was just it's very obvious me and uh martin became really close friends and then um yeah just kind of been you know history from there yeah. and it's like you said it's like a family it's been you know some of my best friends have been from there like you know schlump i went on my first tour ever with him and he's been a staple part of the you know family yeah. since like day one i fucking love michael and uh you know sully too is just like great dude like touring that was one of my favorite tours was being on the road with uh sully dirt monkey and martin that was just yeah, yeah that was just such a great experience and um so yeah it's just i, I credit it to some of the best people i know um, yeah really just grateful to you know be a part of that community Absolutely. and that's what i always tell people like if you can't get to like liquid strangers really busy man hard to like get in touch with from like a base level artist so that's why I tell people, look who he works with, who you can get in touch with. Yeah. Find the, create the ladder for yourself. So it was like obvious for me. I was like, all right, well, you know, Liquid Stranger doesn't answer, but here's, you know, I'm really close friends with somebody he's close with. Yeah. And it's not something I even considered. This was something just Sam just offered. But it's, you know, giving advice to students moving forward is, you know, you want to be on a label, collab with one of that label's yeah. smarter, smaller artists. Then... Once all the paperwork goes through, guess who gets an email from that team? You know yeah. what I mean? And now you have that contact. It's Absolutely. like, 
things can be strategic but also organic at the same time. Yes. You know? Um, and don't and don't like I think the biggest thing is like you're not going to get along with everybody. I feel like at the, at the first like like very elementary was chain years, especially when I was a resident when it was like I just had so many artists coming through Ritz and I had set music to certain artists and then like I ended up like collabing with certain artists and like it was just like a really cool time for that but then it was this thing where it's like don't force your connection with certain mm-hmm. people and because it's just like you making friends you go to a baseball game and you're in a baseball league and you're all playing you're not gonna get along with everybody on that league yep. like, like so there will people there will be people who come along that you just click with yeah and there will be people who come along where it's like we just don't see eye to eye. Like yep. we just don't like the same shit. Oh, you definitely. Know? And you just support each other and your acquaintances and be okay with that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I've definitely had that. You know, even even on Wakan, you know, and it's just kind of like this understanding where people come from. Yes. Going back to that, because no one, life. no one makes malicious decisions. Even evil people don't make malicious decisions. No, they think they're doing the right thing. Yep, and that is a twisted part about. Good and bad. There's yeah, a whole fucking yeah, yeah. existence. In my head, I just go Trump. Yeah. I'm like, you know, maybe you know, maybe Putin just thinks he's saving the world. Like, you know, but but that's like a different conversation. It almost reminds me of like Westworld, where they're just like, I love Westworld. People are we like, they are this amalgamation of every decision up to this point. Yeah. You are like, we are very much robots in a lot of ways. Where like, you're not born an asshole or you're not born a nice person and like it's how like, like your life is like predetermined based on things that even came before you like yeah so like determinism like you know it's not like conspiracy theory or whatever but like it does make sense like if you're born into this financial group or into this culture or into this here mm-hmm. does that determine where you end up yeah a lot of the times the answer is yes yep that's why I say people don't be like cocky about where you are, even if it's really whatever, because you've been given a gift yes. to have the opportunity to be there. That's why I like to it's view a privilege it as like that we are able to do this. Exactly. Because even though ninety nine percent of us struggle and a lot of us still have day jobs and a lot of us work paycheck to paycheck, there are alternate realities where you would never be able to do this. Yep. Ever. Not yep. even think about it. Yep. Even though trying the same amount of heart, you know, you can Sometimes you just don't succeed. You yeah. know, it's a reality of it. So, yeah, it's definitely very, very blessed. And the way I like to look at it is like, you know, going back to like what we are, like a base level or like soul is like we exist here and we're given the life we're given because our soul needs to learn a lesson. So if you're given maybe a, a really good life, maybe you need to learn, maybe you need to humble yourself. Maybe you need to be given, really, you need to be rich so you can learn to understand how to get rid of that stuff and humble yourself or maybe you're born poor so you learn this like just to be grateful and stuff like that so that's why i like to like look at every the both the good things and bad things that happen to myself as opportunities to like learn at like the deepest level you know absolutely and i feel like everything we've talked about thus far has really been advice for young producers but at a lot of people who are like advice for young producers like what are a few tips that you would give them if they're just starting out like not only with production but like pursuing a career and being like an artist definitely um 
number one is have fun. Make it enjoyable yes. for yourself. Like you said, it's a really, really long journey. There's no end in sight. So make sure you love it. You're setting yourself up for the future to continue to love it. And um, yeah, just don't. If someone tells you something that feels wrong at the core, but they say this is how you succeed, no. <laughs> believe in like of the trees I don't know if you saw his tweet like yesterday about believing in Spanish yeah. moss or maybe it was today but he was basically like I'd show my friends this song and they were kind of like nah and I'd show them other like banger stuff and they were like yo this is sick and he's like this song gets 250,000 plays a month and is at 6 million views and it was something that no one really supported me on but I believed in it and yeah, I wanted should. to put it out and that yeah trust yourself because the best ideas are always people are going to look at them like, that's kind of crazy. You know, even like space travel or anything like the most monumental stuff we've done. You thought when people brought it up, they're like, oh, sure, that's a great idea. Go in this pressurized cabin thousands of miles from help and good luck, you know? Yeah. So it's just like. Yep. Yep. It's, it's definitely like trusting your gut. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it. I think you you know especially once you've made a few mistakes, you know that feeling where it's like, and also when it seems too good to be true, it usually is. Definitely. I think that's definitely something I feel like I've run into where it's like, wow, this is all aligning. Wow, this is fucking great. Like, like, like one of those things where it's like, ooh, have I like put in the work to really deserve this or da 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 And then it doesn't pan out. And you're like, oh, well, that was too good to be true. That yeah. gut feeling that said, okay, something is so off here. Yeah, something yeah. was off. Definitely like, and <laughs> not like saying anything about the opportunity. It was an amazing set, but just like, like base canyon. They're like, you're closing out the second stage. And I was like, my tour did good. I know who else is on the lineup. I know my tour didn't do that good. I yeah. know that I was like, and they're like, oh, you're playing at the same time as Excision. Yep. There it yeah, is. There okay, it is. there it there is. is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's it's still fun. It's still great. Like, obviously, it was, it was a great set, but it's just, you know, having yeah. that, a little I bit remember of. I got that offer for the, it was not this year, last year for the third star, the Starlight stage. Mm, it was like the yep. Subsidia stage or whatever. Yep, yep. And it was hard because I was just making this transition, like, way more into melodic releases mm. than, like, heavy dubstep yeah especially that stage and it was all heavy. rhythm it was like i think i was well they wanted to give me the set time at i think it was like starting when sullivan king was playing and ending when excision was playing and i was like hell motherfucking no yeah like, that absolutely is not like i'd never played in washington like i had no crowd there like i'm from florida like all this stuff and like we ended up taking a slot at like 4 30 but even then it was like it was like god it was it was like resurrect and then like Vastiv and then like me and then like Louis Jackson and like OG Nixon. And I was just like, holy fuck. But it's one of those things where you do it. And I'm sure like I saw like the retweets and like the posts from it, like it looked great. And like you put on like the best show ever. And you just you know that even if five people walk away and are like, wow, I never had heard of that person. And like now I'm a fan. Or yeah, it's an accumulation of all of those plays. Definitely. That add up. Term. Yeah, hundred percent. Even like it's 
for the good of the festival too, because I'm very different than Excision, and there's some people who just can't handle that all day. Yes. There's some people who need that breath, or yeah. maybe some person's having a bad trip, you yeah. know, and they just need to step away from like the aggression for a sec. Yeah. So that's like, cool. Let me be the reprieve. I'll go. Ahead. Like I had this one section of the set where I was like. I know this is going to tank here, but I know it's also really needed for some people. It's like just two minute where there's like no draw. It's almost like this like tipper clicky, just like, but it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's always the stuff that like, I don't know, I would like tear up during sets when I was like an attendee. And, exactly. You know, maybe tripping a little bit or something. It's just like those stuff that really changed my life. And it was, I like to be able to offer that. Even if I know like some diehard excision fans are going to walk away and be like, wow, this is way too soft. I need to like move. Yeah, need but to for turn. some people, it's going to really like, touch them and yes. like that's i think it's important to stay true to you for Absolutely. even when you build your fans because since it's a reflection of you and the fans like that reflection you're going to find people who are like you and are going to be you know more about the things you like yeah. whereas like you know if you're lying about who you are via your music you're going to get fans that you don't necessarily you know jive with yeah um which I've seen happen. And people are like, I hate my fans. Or just yeah. like, well. You can't choose your fans. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You said that to me very early on was you cannot choose your fans. Yep. And I rather have ten to 10,000 people who support me that are good individuals and watch out for one another uh, and are kind to each other and like are in the Discord and in the Facebook group and like care about the community than it being a bunch of people who really don't care about you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which that's like a harsh reality too. Yeah, Sometimes definitely. like we're fitting in this niche and I'm not really being true to myself. And then I have these followers that maybe aren't going to like what I put out next because I wasn't being true to myself. Yeah, definitely. Whole rabbit hole. It's all it's all a journey. Yeah, it's all a journey. 100%. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. the longest podcast. Oh, done, wow. Nice. Denver, which I love. <laughs> this is my ideal. There's There's no show later there's no place i have to be like i just want to be able to come and talk so i appreciate you yeah of going course. full in with me yeah no this is great Sweet. you got to touch on stuff i've like never i know I'm talked excited. about people to like are, many people, people so this is a deep like, one. these are the ones that i love where people really walk away and it's cool to have you know maybe i'll get like a 15 20 minutes with somebody who's huge that mm-hmm. really isn't where the podcast is at makes sense for them to come on but the good conversations are what everybody like, what I enjoy, yeah. what everybody listening enjoys. And that's like really what I want to continue to hone in. Like it doesn't matter if you're like a local artist or like an A-tier act. Like just come with the intent of having like an open conversation. Yeah. And that's why I was looking forward to this is because I've seen, you know, a lot of your past interviews yeah. and stuff. And I was like, I so knew this open. was going to be really cool. Yes. And especially like up my alley of, you know, getting into the seventh grade anxiety time, yep, just everything yep, on the table, which absolutely. is just cool, you know, because some places you're just like, so how long have you been using Ableton? And I'm just like, okay. Especially well, with yeah. the blogs, like I've definitely like talked with a lot of people and I think blogs definitely serve their purpose, but we're in this like day and age where people love hearing content this way. Mm-hmm. Like they really do. And I think, you know, and I'm just saying this, spec- like spectating this, but um, or speculating, that's what it is. But it it's like you're allowing your fans to hear stuff about you that like you've never really said. Yeah. And, you know, we're giving insight to like a lot of aspiring artists and, and producers and like stuff that my whole thing was just like stuff that 
I wish I heard mm-hmm. when I was starting. Definitely. And, and I, you know, I'm so gracious that like people like yourself and like, you know, everybody from like Ravenswood to Recno to West End come on and they all give their two cents because it's all so different because everybody's journey is so different. 100%. You know? and, and I'm not really big on like social media and I, cause I, I felt like it's not a good way that I express myself organically. Yeah. Um, But this is. So this is why I, you know, love to do this kind of stuff because in turn of me not doing social media, it's like, all right, well, you have to put yourself out there some way. You know what I mean? Let fans get to know you some way. And this I, is I, the best way. Yeah, this exactly. This is literally the best way. Exactly. Like, no, like, 10-second hotshot round, like, da-da-da. Like, this is who you are through and through, and it's not everyone's cup of tea. Totally get that. But for people who are, like, really passionate and they, and they maybe don't want to do this whole TikTok whatever game, it's like a story. It's yeah. It's like a story, whatever you want to talk about go yeah exactly exactly yeah of course thank you again bye guys bye